Hello and welcome to the Week 6 Football Outsiders NFL Recap Show. I am your host, Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst here at Football Outsiders. Joining me as he does always is Mike Tenier, Senior Analyst for Football Outsiders. And I mentioned today is Monday, which means another weekend of NFL action is in the books. And you could have access to all of our stats starting today with an FO Plus subscription instead of having to wait till tomorrow. Also with FO Plus, you get all that, the DVOA ahead of time. Uh, that You can use that to take advantage of the market inefficiencies early in the week for betting. If you're a media professional or aspiring media professional, you get access to that early for your content that you're producing as well. Get access to premium stats, articles, fantasy rankings, and betting picks as well that you can't get without an FO Plus subscription. Also, Underdog Fantasy, don't forget to play with us and get a free $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. They've got some uh, user-friendly game formats to spice up the games of Battle Royale, which is a six-round best ball style draft. Gives you simpler chances to win weekly than traditional daily sites. Or their pick of games, which is basically prop betting on several different players, building a parlay going higher or lower on their stat lines. Again, Underdog's the fastest-growing fantasy site around. So join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com. They'll double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. Mike, I'm going to quit doing all the talking here and let you turn it over to you here with our first topic today. And that is, and I'm not wearing my Packers gear today. Yeah. It's been rough. But how can we... How can the Packers save their season, or can they save it? Yeah, I noticed that we're we've suddenly switched to baseball season here. Uh, I was going to wear my Phillies gear, but a I don't have any Phillies gear, and b my hometown team six and up. But we'll get back to the the yeah. Packers and yeah, uh, yeah, and I'm weird too. People like Packers, Yankees, everything. Being from Louisville, we don't really have pro teams, and I grew up a fan of so many different teams. Where you've got all your hometown teams, so I'm a little jealous. Right. Well, that's just it. a lot of times in Philadelphia, we look at the Yankees stuff, especially we look at the Cowboys stuff, and it's like you know, like front runner much right right but it's different when you're living in the midwest where you're surrounded by teams that are 100 miles away that you might not be affiliated with yeah, yeah right. absolutely yeah family affiliation step stepmoms from cleveland so this has been a tough series with the yankees and, and guardians now but i'll be happy either way but pulling for the yankees obviously but like i said we'll get back to the topic at hand and that's what the people are here for nfl football the packers what's going on we're all trying to avoid the packers we're all trying to avoid talk, talking about yeah. them right now. They, their, their yards per game have gone down in three consecutive weeks. Um, their defense is playing well, but their run defense continues to play poorly. It played poorly against the Jets uh, on Sunday. It's averaging 4.9 yards per rush right now. Special teams DVOA has gone from third to 30th. Well, that's what happens when you have a punt blocked for a touchdown, a field goal blocked. I think they only got like 4.4 yards per punt return. They were getting punts, and they were going nowhere with them. Um, Thordian, I'm sorry, my ADHD picks up. Thordian says that the Cardinals just traded for Robbie Anderson per Ian Rappaport. Hot take. It's the perfect addition for the Arizona Cardinals because what that wow. team needs is a malcontent who is very inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, it's like Aaron Schatz just tweeted too saying, uh, and I'm sure people, everyone's kind of wondering this, maybe that Marquise Brown injury is really serious or – you know, because they've got DeAndre Hopkins coming back. So they've got Hopkins, Marquise Brown, Rondale Moore. So maybe that injury is a little bit more serious than than we know so far. But maybe they're just making a deal for a guy who's been a playmaker at times. Just got kicked out of the game yesterday by his own right. coach. Playmaker at times. And you could hear the rumbling. You follow him on Twitter. Like the rumbling has been happening for the last week or so right up on the, the, the Matt Rule uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, firing. This was a drama. And Anderson is a guy who's going to put himself in drama. So – uh, my theory on this, you're right. The Marquise Brown injury might be a problem. This is just Steve Kime being Kime. Like he just he he he's a fantasy football GM. He just grabs he grabs what's available. Uh, I don't have the compensation right now. I'm guessing it's not much, but 
fascinating little pre-deadline rumbling there. And it uh, it successfully derailed me from what were we talking about? Green Bay Packers, special teams. Green Bay Packers, special teams, problems. When I look at this team, I, I realize the defense, the defense is still outstanding on third down, still outstanding in the red zone. The offense is very anemic right now, and, mm-hmm. and they're not getting the ball the receivers downfield. I don't have in front of me the yards per completion. I believe it's down 10.1, very low in the league. Uh, the air yards are low, et cetera. And I watch the Packers struggle, and then I watch the Giants, who have nothing on offense. And I watch the Falcons, who I think we're going to talk about in a little bit later on, who have nothing on offense. And they manufacture points, and they do it with – pistol formations, heavy backfields, diamond formations, uh, you know, play action going this way and the other, rollout, bootleg, all these things that you do to generate and manufacture when you don't have the weapons. The Packers, I think, have to think like this. It's like, this is not Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and MVS going downfield. This is Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of guys who need training wheels. And they need to take some of that collegiate, small school, full house, tight formation, backfield logic. The Seahawks do it as well and use that to get their offense on track. Because right now they are not generating consistent offense again against everybody. But you're the one who watches those games with your heart in your throat every week. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yesterday's game was was ugly. I mean, I kind of put on here talking about, like, is there any saving the Packers? Because it's been rough. It's just Rodgers looks like – physically, his facial expressions looks like Rodgers, but it almost looks like he's kind of – checked out at times, which that's just kind of the way he is. But like when things aren't going well, it makes you think like, like, what is he thinking? Is he there? And the offensive line couldn't block. It seemed like he was under pressure the whole day. Special teams, you mentioned the block field goal, block punt. I kind of tweeted this yesterday. I'm like, if it wasn't time already, I'm now in panic mode on Green Bay. I know we've talked about them a couple right. of times. Like, they're still in it in the division. I think they're in second still. The Bears lost. The, the Vikings um, were my pick to win it. It seems like they've got a shot to run away with that division. Um, I'll be honest, I switched over to red zone at halftime and never switched back over. (laughs) I said, I'm going to see what I need to see on red zone. And turns out the things that I saw are things that I didn't want to see. So I kind of, it was a bad (laughs) thing yesterday, got tired of it. And I'm like, I'm just going to switch over because it's bad. If it gets good, you know, maybe I'll come back to it. But I would rather uh, watch red zone than watch that Packers team yesterday. Really the last two weeks, second half. And then yesterday it was, was pretty ugly. And we'll talk about buyers and sellers later on uh, here in a little bit as we get to that. But it's hard to say with Rodgers that they're going to be sellers because I said they still have a chance to win that division and you can't, he's only got a couple years left. You're not going to waste his years, but at the same time, like it's, it's not looking good right now. Who are you going to trade? Who you exactly. Gonna... Like Devonte is gone. They're not going to trade any of those defensive pieces. Right. You trade the defensive pieces, the defense collapse. You trade the offensive pieces. You're talking about a checked out looking Aaron Rodgers, who by the way was muttering stuff about sending positive messaging. You know, the guy who goes on every podcast he can find and rants about everything that's on his mind is now going to send positive messages. But you're not going to get positive messages if you trade an offensive lineman or, I don't know, Dylan or whoever you might even yeah. be tradable at that point. Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's it's rough. And then you look, you know, Aaron Jones. Uh, Dylan got the more carries this week. Jones wasn't doing too well on the ground, but – uh weren't really utilizing him a ton early on it seemed like and it's just a lot needs to be fixed I think there it's I saw a tweet today that was it was Aaron Rodgers trying to uh to run this offense and it was the old clip of Peyton Manning 
with the kids on the field, just throwing the ball at their back. <laughs> like, get in the portal, get in there right at 20 minutes. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's bad. It's bad. Right. I remember this is where I trade a thought because I saw Thordian mention the Packers have so much miscommunication. I know somebody who's a Packers expert tweeted that they lead the league in pointing at guys on defense. <laughs> like there'll be a miscommunication and you'll see the, you know, well, that's got to get worked. And that, first of all, it's a veteran defense. Most of, I know there's a couple of rookies, first round picks. Most of those guys are defensive, defensive veterans. They should not be having that kind of miscommunication. Yeah, and one one other thing from this game that we're not really going to have the best and worst decisions this week, but the end of the first half there, Green Bay had three timeouts. They're down three to nothing. The Jets had the ball uh, first and 10 at the Green Bay 43 at the two-minute warning. They get two yards on first down. Green Bay doesn't call a timeout. They get six yards on third down to get it to third and two. uh, Still doesn't call a timeout. Ends up uh, stopping them, stopping the clock, incomplete pass on third and two. So fourth and two, they missed a field goal. But – you still have all three of your timeouts. There's less than two minutes. Use them for your offense. Green Bay ends up getting down to, I think, inside the 20. They had first and uh, first and 10 at the 27, 14 okay. seconds left. Second and two at the 19 with nine seconds left because they finally used their timeout. The Jets used the timeout there as well. But it's like you could have given a lot more time. So they, they had second and two at the 19, get a first down, first and 10 at the 11, but there's three seconds left, so they have to kick a field goal. It's like – I don't know what LaFleur was doing if he didn't trust his defense to get a stop. He's like, I'm going to call a timeout, give them more time for a touchdown. I don't know, but that was a really bad, bad look there. And then earlier in the game, he declined a penalty to make it fourth and one versus like a third and 16 uh, or third and 11, something like that on the Jets. And I was hoping Sala would go for it just to to make LaFleur look back. It's like it was fourth (laughs) and one around like the Jets own 45. Maybe he didn't expect Sala to go for it. But that that was another. I'm just like he's making mistakes that he doesn't normally make. It seems like, right? That's very that's very strange. And they had a little bit of a problem managing the clock before halftime against the Giants too, if, if I remember correctly. I'm, I can't even think back that far. Yeah, it's it's going <laughs> to be a blur. They had a blur. Well, speaking of a blur, Patrick Sealy says that Rogers needs a bye week with some of the uh, the trip and tea. Um, mm-hmm. And by the way, Patrick said, spelled bye week B I. I don't know what you're insinuating. <laughs> no part of that absolutely with that we'll move on to monday night football so that's a good transition <laughs> we've got the broncos four and a half point underdogs uh at the chargers 46 point total on this one i like the chargers in this one I, i've mm-hmm. talked about it on the fantasy embedding show with tom strachan that we did last thursday i've uh, given up on uh backing the broncos right now i've, I've kind of supported them the last couple of weeks i'm like you know what they're going to get it together they're going to get it together they haven't Plus, I, I just think Justin Herbert is playing better than Russell Wilson. Uh, that Broncos defense is very good. I like – I picked last week the Chargers. I think it was at minus five at the time we did our show. Uh-huh. Um, I picked the Chargers to cover. But the under, they're only – the Broncos are only scoring 15 a game, but they're giving up 16 a game. I think there's going to be – it's going to be tough to get points in this one. What do you think uh, on this one? I think it's going to be tough to get points in this one. I'm like, fool me six times with the Broncos. Shame on me. Fool me seven times with the Broncos. Shame on me. I kind of like the points. The points creeped up to five. Uh, I think that's what you you cited a moment ago. And as it gets into that zone, I feel a little bit more comfortable with this continually backing the fact that, oh, the Broncos are going to figure it out this week. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to steer away from that. And I'm also going to say, I I apologize. I said right before we came on, oh, I've got a cool prop to throw at you. Yeah. They just took it off the board. (laughs) I just clicked over and went bloop. And the, and the prop disappeared. It involved like Mike Boone as an anytime touchdown scorer. Okay. 
and Cortland Sutton, et cetera. And it was like a it was like a big three way three legged parlay. But it's gone now, so I'm afraid that piece of content is is gone forever. So not that, but I do have some in here that that I pulled up. Um, okay. The first one I'm a little a little torn on. Justin Herbert's passing yards are at two sixty six and a half. Mm. I initially went under. Uh, it's tough to go under with Herbert, but he's averaging two sixty seven point seven five yards per game versus Denver in four games. He was under two fifty four in two of those four. Now the Broncos have only allowed two passers to go over two hundred yards. Okay, haven't played any great quarterbacks, but Jimmy G went for two eleven. Matt Ryan two fifty one last week, and he got like thirty six of them after uh, or in overtime. So I, it, it's Herbert. It's tough, but that Broncos defense has just been very good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I lean the under there, even though I really hate um, hate betting unders. Uh, but yes. you know there are some that I like there. That I mean, as much as you hate it, yeah, sometimes it, it's a smart play. Um, so I like that one again. That's probably the one I'm least confident in. But looking at Herbert there, the other one, Cortland Sutton over four and a half receptions. He's got five catches or more in four straight. The Chargers only 18th against number one wide receivers. Um, so I, I think he's going to be able to, to get the catches there. Alston Eckler is heating up lately. and His rushing yards are set at 59 and a half. He had 173 last week against that bad Cleveland rush defense. He had yeah. 60 the week prior against Jacksonville. Now, I say I mentioned he's heating up. He's carried the ball at least 13 times in four or five games. Denver's only 17th against the run in DVOA oh. this year. They gave up 62 yards to Deion Jackson on 13 carries last week. 144 on 28 to Josh Jacobs, 75 to Jeff Wilson Jr., 69 to Damian Pierce, 60 to Rashad Penny all this year. So Austin Eckler, I think, gets to that 60, at least 60 yards rushing, and that's set at 59 and a half. Um, And then last one I've got, Melvin Gordon, over 13 and a half receiving yards. The Chargers are 31st defending passes to running backs. Melvin Mm -hmm. Gordon had three catches for 49 last week, five for 29 against the 49ers two weeks ago. Uh, with Javante Williams out, I think that that's probably my favorite one is 13 and a half receiving yards. I do like that one. I like that one a lot. Just making the Chargers tackle in the open field. Mm-hmm. Going back a little bit, you had that under for Justin Herbert and CCX3 said, what the heck are they going to do with a certain mothering uh, mm-hmm. Mike Williams? And then he changed it to smothering. Between mothering and the BI bye week, it's gotten very Freudian here in the comment threads. I really don't know what's happening on Monday, but a little Freudian slip there. We corrected it. That leans towards the under. It actually goes back to what one of our other uh, listeners said earlier. It's like, boy, the Chargers would have been a good Robbie Anderson place, like in the trade. Mm-hmm. Like the Chargers could have brought him in, and it's like, you are just go run the nine, run the nine, run the nine, and, and Herbert can just like launch one or two of them to you per game, and he'd probably be happier on a on a team that's like closer to uh, contention there. But I like the Herbert under because of that. I like the um, Cortland Sutton number because i think that there is a little bit of get him the ball like a mandate to get him the ball in that offense and he'll get one or two oh here you go here's the three yard hitch play the one that i am shying away from of all of them is eckler most Mm -hmm. of the backs you name that did well against that defense they were more battering ram type backs you know right pierce is more the battering ram type type back i know jeff wilson's in there not so much a battering ram but they're going to go offset eye formation and like got to hand him between the tackles I would fear on that when Eckler winds up being screens, flats, rotation, it becomes a pass-heavy offense. So that's the one I'm leaning against. Other ones I really like, though. Yeah, I, I, I'm with with that one, too. I looked at that, kind of went back and forth. Um, but like I said, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of riding the hot hand a little bit there with Eckler. He's been running the ball well lately. So 
We'll see. We'll see. That one, uh, there's, there's no guarantees. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's Watching the Browns defense against the Patriots yesterday, I, I like, what am I watching here? Like, I've never seen multiple guys open. Okay, on the one touchdown, the dude trips and falls, which is not good in the first place. But just guys open by 15 yards in the open field, bouncing off each other, tackling, make, trying to make routine tackles. That's Eckler did it against that team. I know he's a good ball player overall. Yes. I, I just remain wary on that one. Yeah, uh, completely understandable. And uh, like I said, I'm not the, the one I'm most confident. It's kind of same with you, Melvin Gordon and Cortland yeah. Sutton. I think are the two most confident. And then Eckler and Herbert. Like I said the 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 numbers kind of lean towards Herbert under, but we know yeah. it's Justin Herbert. He could go out and throw for 400 yards. Yeah, uh, even yeah, and, and you're right. And unders yeah. are a matter of taste. It's a matter of taste. Like I don't want to sit here and root for the game to be less interesting because the quarterbacks throw for less yards. If that's the way you are, play the over or or, or, or avoid the under. Mm-hmm. And that's what that was one thing I mentioned uh, last Thursday with Tom. We're talking about Buffalo, Kansas City. I'm like, there's a lot of points here. Mm-hmm. I would I would lean with the over, partly just because I don't want to root for a game like this to be a low scoring mm-hmm. game, even though it ended up coming in 24 right. 20. Um, and you know, expected a lot of points in that one, so it's not a, a bad bet to go with the over. But you know, in situations like that, it's like you don't want to cheer for less points when you've got Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes right. going against each other. Right. I hope this game isn't that good. Yeah, <laughs> not really. Yeah, hopefully you don't want to cheer for a uh, uh, one of the last two Thursday night football games in that one. So speaking of <laughs> Buffalo and Kansas City as well, we'll move on to that. That was the big game of the weekend. What did we learn? We're going to talk about this one and Philly and Dallas. So for you, what did you learn from these two games this weekend? Absolutely nothing. And that's why when, when I when I looked at this, I was like, well, we should talk about these games because they're such big games. Mm-hmm. And, they were, and they were good games. They were quality games in both cases. And I come away with it with this feeling that like, all we did was confirm. It was like sort of a confirmation Sunday. It's like, are the Bills the best team in the NFL? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Are the Kansas City Chiefs very good and sort of nipping at the heels of, of the Bills and you know maybe at their best can beat them? That's what we saw for most of that particular game, which was a weird back-and-forth game despite the low scoring. There were so many yards, so many highlights in that game. It's just you get to the yeah. 20 and you go for it and you fail. And then, well, who's the best team in the NFC? The Eagles. Did they prove it? Yes. Are the Cowboys still very good, even though it's mostly their front four? Yes. Was the Cooper Rush con- quarterback controversy just complete schmuck bait? Yes. Yeah. So, so, but but you know what? Confirming things is is learning something as well, mm-hmm. because you come into this game having questions about the Eagles. Can they close out in the fourth quarter? Can they beat a quality opponent? Now you have answers. Yes and yes. You have the Bills. Are they really? Do they really belong in that in that level? The answer is yes. And that's my takeaway from it. What about you? You've got actually exactly what I said. Buff- learned that Buffalo and Philadelphia are very good. Buffalo, the cream of the crop in the FC. And I, I said, had here, not so much learned it, but confirmed it is what right. I had. Um, although that when Mahomes gets that ball back a minute four left, down four, I think all of us were thinking, all right, here goes Mahomes again. Yep. Ended up throwing that interception on the second play. But Buffalo is just the most complete team. They've got the top offense in DVOA, the top defense. They're fifth in special teams. And that's still without Tredavious White on defense. Uh, he's yes. not back yet. So that defense <laughs> could get even better. And then for the, the Eagles and Cowboys, despite the good start, like you said, for Cooper Rush, Cowboys can't win the Super Bowl with Cooper Rush. And, and right. Dak will be back next week or is expected to be. And looking at Philly, fifth in offense, fifth in defense, 25th in special teams. I don't think it's as glaring a weakness as, you know, the Packers had last year yeah. you know, with that special teams all year. Um, but they're definitely in contention. Best team in the NFC. So, yeah, these two teams are – are two of the best in the NFL. Didn't necessarily learn that. We already knew it. It was just a, a confirmation, like you said. So I'm 
on the exact same page. Yeah, and you're right about the Eagles special teams. They gave up a kick return, long kick up, kickoff mm-hmm. return. Before halftime, led the points, almost led to a touchdown when Noah Brown made this ridiculous catch. He was just out of bounds, yep. led to a field goal. That's a little thing that can be a problem. I don't think it's as much a problem with the punter as it was late last season. But we're going to get in a minute into buyers and sellers. You know, I don't think of the Eagles necessarily as being buyers mm-hmm. in the, at the trade deadline. But if you were to bring in like a sharpshooting either a return man or somebody who's like, I am Mr. Special Teams, like like, yeah. like the old Trent Sherfeld type of guy to come in here and, and kind of restore order on those units. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Eagles, by the way, real quick, entering the bye, come out. Steelers, Texans, Commanders, Colts. Ooh. Okay. There, if that wasn't exactly what we were talking about last week, looking at the odds, like when will that first loss come? And it doesn't right. look like it's going to come soon. Right. They should be 9-1 and one at the minimum coming out of that. That guarantees a winning record, which pretty much guarantees – the playoff spot in the NFC. Yeah. yeah, and you mentioned buyers and sellers, so we'll go ahead and just move into the sellers. Trade deadline motivated sellers. Who do you think should should hold a fire sale uh, coming up on the deadline here? Well, I think we already see that we have a little bit of a fire sale going on with the, uh, the Panthers, as expected. Yeah. Uh, they, in addition to Robbie Anderson, they, they traded Cam Irving last week. Uh, but my motivated seller, oddly enough, are the Arizona Cardinals, a team that just mm-hmm. bought? I'm not using that term necessarily. Yep. But they went out there and, and acquired the rights to Robbie Anderson. This is a team full of veterans. They also have a lot of younger defensive players who might have trade value. You know, some of the some of the linebackers they picked up along the way who are multi-position guys running around without positions. And this is a two and four team going nowhere. Yep. Okay. I, I like you said, they're getting new Hopkins back. I think it's too late for that that this is a team that is last in the league or second to last to the league to the Panthers in average depth of target when throwing the ball, does not have a very good defense and doesn't seem to be on the same page between the three of them. So this is a team that should be looking to reset. Mm-hmm. And I am stunned that they're going in the opposite direction. Like, no, we're going to bring in another offensive weapon and see what happens. Yeah, just acquiring weapons left or like that's, that's they're just going to get as many receivers as they can get, I guess. What? Right, right, right. And then the receivers, and then they got a rookie tight end that hasn't been able to see the field yet. Like, they're just loaded at these positions. Meanwhile, I don't think the offensive line plays particularly well. I don't know what they have on defense besides, you know, a couple guys on their line who are playing well, and Murphy at cornerback, and just a bunch of guys, and, and Buddha, and then just a bunch of runaround guys. And and, and it's and nothing is put together properly. I don't think that the, the, the general manager and the coach and the quarterback are on the same page as all. And yet, Somebody said on the on the comment feed, the only way out is through for them. Mm-hmm. They're trying. They're going to try to shoot their way out of this out of this slump. Yeah, and for for me, you said it. The Panthers. I mean, it's obvious, but they're they're going to be the ones that it looks like they've already started. Potentially, they've only got four picks in next year's draft. They have a first, their first, their second, fourth, and fifth. We know they yeah. could get multiple day one, day two picks for guys like McCaffrey, DJ Moore. Um, I don't know what they got for Anderson, but like a mid rounder potentially for Anderson, right. um, and. We said a new head coach is coming in, likely going to get the first overall pick and get their pick at quarterback. Uh, they're going to have a handful to choose from in a good class, can get some skill position players. The defense has some good young pieces, although I've seen reports that they're open as well to trading guys like Brian Burns, J.C. Horn. Uh, it, it, their defense wasn't awful until I think they were like top half or right around middle of the pack until mm-hmm. this past week. They really didn't have a bad game. but I think they dropped down into the, the mid to low 20s in DVOA. They could still sell, but I, they're the obvious choice, and I think it, it's going to happen. And, and um, it looks like, too, uh, talking in, in a friend group, talking with our fantasy football yesterday, 
there was the talk about McCaffrey. You know, he's been the focal point of the offense for so long, but they came out yesterday and just were giving him the ball yeah. on every yeah. single play, showcasing him, I guess, right. because there have been reports that they're looking for multiple first-rounders. Don't think they'll get that much. But <laughs> they're, they're saying, look what he can do. Here, here, give us picks for him. Right. The, the amount of signaling that's going directly from the Panthers to Schefter's ear or from, like, the Chiefs to Schefter's ear to try and really stoke up this trade market because the Chiefs would like to just grab Brian Burns and stick him yeah. in their pass rush. Um, and everybody – and there's other people who are bargain hunting for McCaffrey. And the Panthers really want to get this messaging out there. It's like, yeah, no reasonable offer refused, but our definition of a reasonable offer is not your reasonable offer. It's unreasonable. I think, yeah, I think we're going to talk about McCaffrey more in a moment, but it's ludicrous to think that he's going to get anything but, like, mid-round, second second round maybe, if somebody bites on him because you're biting on such a large contract. Okay. Yeah. Burns is somebody who has a lot more trade value. That's the guy who could get that Jamal uh, Adams type deal from a team. Um, somebody pointed out uh, a couple of people were just going back to the uh, Cardinals real quick. And Hitchhiker's Pie asked, "Would you fire Cliff on Black Monday?" CCX three asked, "Well, does that happen with Kime still there? And will Kime still be there?" Kime and Kingsbury got recent extensions. Everybody got their financial th- please, thank you, and sorry from the ownership recently. Mary and Kingsbury, and Kimes. So ownership has to make a mistake, admit a mistake. That's very unlikely. The three guys who swear they all get along, who very obviously do not get along. And this is a team built out of not the coach, GM, and quarterback on the same page would have to admit they're not getting along. This could blow up, yeah, in, you know, on Black Monday or whatever. It might not because of the amount of money and, like, bull snot that's invested in. Yep, and that's and uh, Vince Verhan and I talked about that too a couple weeks ago. I think Coach Rankings show we're talking about the the uh, hot seat and like next coach should be fired. And Cliff Kingsbury always comes up just because the way Arizona's been. But like you mentioned, he just got the the extension. They gave him a lot of money. It's hard to see him being let go this year. Uh, yeah. But crazier things have happened. <laughs> right. I would not bet on a midseason in season. Yeah, firing in any way. They would have to Absolutely. wait till the end. I think. Yeah. yeah, and we'll transition from sellers now to buyers. Who is your most uh, motivated buyer that you think coming up on the trade deadline? Yeah, I look around at these teams and, I, you know, the Bills don't need anything. So that would be silly. I mentioned the Eagles, but I don't think they can or will do it because of the cap situation. I circle back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though. Okay, and we all saw Tom Brady ranting, raving, shouting at his, yeah. <laughs> shouting at his poor offensive line to, like, be better, you know, like because that's very motivational. And one of the things – one of the reasons why Brady is struggling, yeah, receivers have been injured, offensive linemen have been injured. Buccaneers are averaging 3.1 yards per rush right now. Okay. Fournette himself, I think, is at 3.3 yards per rush. He's way down on, on the standings. I, I pulled up a stat earlier today. In the red zone, the Buccaneers have run 18 times for 12 yards. Okay. So they're, they're, not, they're not going backwards, but, like, they're falling forward two feet at a time. That's their running game. And they run the ball a lot. If you look at that offense, it's like they want to give the ball to Lenny. They want to do that on early downs. You talk about a team that could add Christian McCaffrey, and it's logical for where the team sits right now in terms of their, you know, it's not time to buy green bananas. Tom Brady's your quarterback. Do something now at all costs. Somebody like McCaffrey who can do the things that guys like James White and Danny Woodhead and Rex Burkhead and all those other guys, going back to Kevin Falk, used to do for Brady, I got your swing pass, I got your seven yards, you don't have to worry about the pass rush because you can dump it to me. I think the, the Buccaneers should be looking for either another receiving weapon 
or a running back, a speed back like McCaffrey to diversify their offense. Yeah, McCaffrey, like so there's been a handful of teams uh, rumored for him to uh, the Bills have been apparently have inquired a couple times about him. But pretty yeah. much anywhere he goes, you know, he produces fantasy talking from a fantasy perspective. Too, he produces in Carolina, but would be even more efficient on a much better team where it's not like the other teams can just focus all on him. And and mm-hmm. speaking of, too, we're talking about Robbie Anderson, that trade it is looks like coming across now that uh, they're. Fear that Marquise Brown did suffer a potentially season-ending foot uh, okay. foot injury. So going further testing, but it seems like that is we were kind of uh, okay. Aaron said that and was right on the the lines with the uh, that trade for Robbie Anderson. It still doesn't make a lot of sense. So I got right. to see the compensation. It still doesn't make a lot of sense. So you're gonna get New Hopkins back. You've got Rondell Moore. You've got you've got AJ Green, who as I think has officially reached the end yeah. of the line. But like you've got you've got other guys there that can play. You don't go out and, and just get another receiver. Uh, to fill that role. Yeah. And so go, coming back to the buyers for me, I kind of looked around and decided with, I wasn't really sure who who I thought was going to be the best fit. I saw you had the Buccaneers there. The Browns are one to me. They're really struggling to stop the run right now. They're 30th in run defense DVOA, 31st in adjusted line yard. Surprisingly, they're number one in power run stops, which are third or fourth down and two or less plus goal to go from the two or closer. But their bottom eight and stuffed rank, Second level yards allowed, 30th open field yards allowed. Vince mentioned this last week as well. Two, Their two safeties are second and third leading tacklers. They really need some help on the, the defensive line, uh, helping to stop the run. The, the pass, they were 13th against the pass until this past week. They were missing Denzel Ward, uh, yeah. which kind of maybe explains some of that, but they also yeah. gave up 309 yards and two touchdowns to Bailey Zappi. So uh, <laughs> not a great showing. But the offense, surprisingly, eighth overall. And that's with Jacoby Brissett. They're 14th in passing, 4th in rushing. That division is close. It's still winnable, but the Browns do have a very tough schedule until Watson returns. They're at Baltimore, Cincinnati at home, at Miami, at Buffalo, Tampa Bay. And we know that trade deadline coming up in a couple weeks. So could be tough uh, if they think, you know, I imagine they're confident they can get through that stretch, still be in contention, but maybe make a couple moves to, to shore up that defense and get some healthy some guys back and get healthy and make a run, but they were, for me, I think could be buyers here uh, in the next couple of weeks. I could see that because of the urgency of trying to, in the short term, make things happen. And even if in their minds they're like, well, this was the, uh, you know, wages of sin, Deshaun Watson season, and it's really going to be next year. You don't want to necessarily go out by it like this. And they need some, some guys on defense who don't fall down. Because if I were like Tom Brady and I was screaming at the Browns defense, I'd be like, Stop falling down. Falling down is bad. That's not how you play defense. And that's what we saw. Did see the absence of Denzel Ward. There were a couple, there was a little bit, a lot of jump ball to Devontae Parker. And mm-hmm. Parker comes down with some. He gets flags on another one. It helps the, it helps Zappi get confidence because he's moving the ball that way. So I could I wouldn't recommend the Browns doing it because they're they're very leveraged right now. But I could definitely see them doing it from a hey, yeah, we get one one stuffer in here. Probably doesn't cost us a lot in terms of trade yep. compensation. And we can start winning some of these games and, and feather the nest, uh, so to speak, for Deshaun's return. By the way, there's a lot of Rondell Moore chatter. Aaron, uh, Aaron Schatz, the boss, comes in and says, like magnets, I don't know how Rondell Moore works. I, I don't know how the Cardinals' offense works. I don't understand what I'm watching when I watch it. And it seems like everyone is – somebody referred to them as the Madden AI. And Rondell Moore gets the Madden AI plays here. He He's not just – a screens and reverses guy, but for some reason, I seem to, seem to think they seem to think he is. Yeah, he's uh, and it's I follow him a little bit too. He's from uh, Louisville. Went to actually my 
uh, my rival high school, but watched him play in high school, man. He was just kind of a side note. He was the fastest guy I had, you know, had ever seen on a football field. And this is a few years ago. I was years out, out of, out of high school, obviously, but that guy is electric. And we saw it was used a lot yesterday. Head ended up having like 70 something yards. I think, um, they, they used him kind of crossing over the middle. Um, and yeah, yeah, like we said, just that Arizona offense, just, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah, it's, hey, here's this concept, here's that concept. Like, it disappears from my mind as I'm watching it. Like, I don't understand what you're trying to establish with what you're doing. Everything's very horizontal. These formations come and go, and, like, one will work, and you'll never see it again for, like, three weeks afterwards. And you've got these guys like Rondell Moore. I would think he's underutilized. I think you can use him occasionally as a deep threat, not just as a shallow threat. There's ways of doing this rather than saying, let's bring Carolina's resident inconsistent malcontent into the fold here and, and see if that turns things around and, and gets everybody on the same page. And that actually kind of takes us in. Uh, we'll start with the, the loser of the week this week, because you've got think, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. If you haven't already covered everything, yeah. I'll let you talk about that uh, here now. Yeah. It's kind of turned into the Cardinal circus here. So yeah, my, my loser of the week is Kingsbury for all the things that we've mentioned here, the lack of rhyme and reason, the lack of a continuity in the game plans, the lack of ability to get Kyler Murray to do anything except for play these playground games. I think there's sort of a lack of articulation between him and Steve Kime, and it's bad, and I think we've covered it sufficiently. So who is your loser of the week? Mine is the Jaguars' defense. Uh, they were they were pretty bad this weekend. It, yeah. This comes from really a stat that I saw. They ended up being the second, having the second worst defensive DVOA of week six. And I saw it from Ryan Michael on Twitter, who I believe, I think it was a, like a stats guy for Jags Insider or, or something. Okay. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Ryan, I don't remember exactly what it was. But Trevor Lawrence is the first quarterback in NFL history to have a 90% plus, com- plus completion percentage on 20-plus passing attempts with three-plus total touchdowns and zero turnovers and still lose the game. Now, I'm not sure how many quarterbacks qualify, especially with that 20-plus passing attempts, 90% completion percentage. Right. Right. But that's still that's a very good game from Trevor Lawrence. Had a fourteen to three lead in the middle of the second quarter. They did have a string of of, of punts, uh, a few possessions in a row. Yeah, but came out scored in the second half. They scored the go ahead touchdown with two forty four left, and that defense allowed Matt Ryan and the Colts to score. They won on a third and thirteen touchdown pass to yeah. Alec Pierce. So just it, it's hard. Your quarterback has a game like that and uh, give it up like that. That's tough. Tough. Uh, to do especially against the Colts they dominated them the first time they came out started out hot this week and to to give that up and lose that game against what was the worst offense in the league coming into this week yeah and I was going to if we, if we had done best call of the week best coaching decision that third and 13 bomb up the sideline to Alec Pierce is probably going to be my choice because it looked like the the, the play was going to be oh, I'm going to cr- do a crossing route they were pretty close to field goal range I think they were in field goal range yeah. like let's get in there let's get the kicker out there Colts have had kicker issues. You've got this opportunity. And the Jaguars, I think the Jaguars defense uh, fooled a lot of people, especially in the Colts game. And there was another game that they played very well in. They've got very little on the back seven. They really don't have a lot in the secondary in terms of guys who are going to win one-on-one matchups, et cetera. Uh, They've got speed at linebacker, but it's a lot of youth, a lot of rookie second-year guys at linebacker. Defensive line is pretty good, but the defensive line is full of guys that we talk about how good they're about to be okay so they do get their sacks here and there but it's not like you know this is you know the 49ers line when healthy coming at you and you saw that when you watch that Colts Jaguars game where Matt Ryan 
looks more like the Matt Ryan from a couple of years ago that we're used to, where he's sitting in the pocket. He's finding guys on shallow crosses that are getting open. He's finding guys on hitches are getting open. And he's completing passes five, six yards that go 15 yards down the field because he's getting the ball on time to guys in space. That may be a sign of the Colts offense to come, mm-hmm. but I think it's also more of a sign that the Jaguars are going to have more days like this for Trevor Lawrence, where you're going to have to be in shootouts if you want to get the win. And we're going to have to see if you can do things like convert fourth downs, which they had problems with yesterday for Lawrence and the Jaguars to win those shootouts. And you mentioned the, the, the player where they scored and looking at, um, you know, expecting a short pass, a run, something like that there in field goal range. I'm pulling up exactly where they were on that play. I know it was third and 13 at right. the Jacksonville 32. So, yeah, they're right. right there on Good Morning Football this morning. They were talking about, I forget who it was on the sideline, someone from NFL Network or their team saying, like the guys, even the Colts sideline, everyone thought they were running. Like, wait, wow, we're not running the ball. I thought we were going to run the ball. And it ends up being that bomb touchdown. So that was pretty yeah. fun. Like, even their own team was expecting them to just run it that way they don't you know it's third and 13 you don't have to it's not like you're in you have to go for it on fourth down because you are in field goal range you could you know go someday if you were back in your own side go deep because you're gonna take a shot because you got to go for it but yeah to everyone expecting to run it and then to hit that it was really awesome for the Colts I actually did uh pick them last week on our show that was one I got right I was like despite the league worst defense I do think the Colts come out and win it and they saved me there at the end right well they were a team and of course I love picking on the Colts but they were a team where it's like, obviously, they're not going to be 32nd in offense for the rest of right. the season. There's too much talent for that. And this was a demonstration. No, we the, this team can start rising up a little bit. Got some help with some penalties along the way. And I'll say this, Pierce on that – that was a beautiful throw by Ryan. Mm-hmm. Pierce out-physicals his defender on that. He, he, is, he has basically, like, shielded the defender away from making a play yeah. on that. Earlier in the game, he had a touchdown. Rookie Jelani Woods, a guy I really liked in college, just basically – tosses uh, I think it was I think it was Lloyd the linebacker basically tosses him aside to catch the touchdown probably maybe should have been an OPI but also as a linebacker you have to stay involved in that play you know you're not like the photographer getting shoved by Devontae Adams you need to play <laughs> and that's a sign again it's a sign of thing I think the Colts may be able to do but it's also a sign the Jaguars are in trouble against mm-hmm. better defense excuse me better offenses if they're going to lose these sort of like physical matchups in the secondary and you mentioned the one game uh that, that they kind of fooled people. The Colts game and the Chargers game was the other one where they just dominated yes. uh, dominated that whole game. But I guess we could say the Colts are a big winner of the week, but you've got someone else as your winner of the week this week, and who is that? You know, we've had so much fun talking about the feel-good Geno Smith story over the course of the last couple of weeks, and the feel-sort-of-good Cooper Rush story, you felt good, but they had to have that squicky, oh, there's a cornerback controversy, so you don't feel good about it. We've forgotten feel good about Marcus Mariota. Mariota went out there against a depleted 49ers defense. They were missing a couple of guys on their front seven this week, but has a big game throwing the ball and running the ball against the the San Francisco 49ers and pulled out a 28-14 win. And the thing that's amazing me is that the Falcons are actually entertaining to watch. Okay, we talked at the beginning of the the show how it's like, well, you know, the the Packers are not a fun watch right now. You switch to NFL red zone. You're wearing your Yankees gear. It's not pleasant to watch that. And maybe it's lower expectations, but when you've got Mariota in the pistol with a fullback next to him and a, tight, and a running back in the backfield, who knows, Kyle Pitts might even be on the field on this particular play. And, and they're going to they're gonna run a, a speed option or an ISO option or a play action fake and take a deep shot to, uh, to Orlando Zacchaeus or, 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 or Drake London. And, and everything is very misdirection oriented and everything 
is very, I, I guess I call it collegiate. It looks like that sort of mid-major program mm -hmm. offense, but it's effective. It's effective because Mariota is playing very tough, very physical as a runner, and doing what he does best as a, as a uh, passer, which is delivering short touch passes, particularly in the, over the middle of the field. So big comeback season for Marcus Mariota, big winner of the week for me. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Kyle Pitts in that game. He was uh, – thought about having him as my winner of the week. He did finally score a touchdown uh, this year and got into the end zone, but still ended up only having three catches on 19 yards, only three targets. They didn't throw yeah. a ball a ton. Anyway, only 13 – kept 14 targets in this game. Uh, right. Mariota didn't throw the ball. Only had one incompletion, Mariota did, so a big <laughs> game from him. But I went with Allen Robinson oh. this week. There's been a lot of talk from him, especially uh, in the fantasy circle, but just in general, yes. him not producing, being brought in to be that number two guy and really been struggling you know, after week one, there was all the talk and it was kind of the, the squeaky wheel uh, theory there. He ended up getting five targets, four catches for 53 and a touchdown ended up the next three games, two catches, two catches, three catches mm -hmm. for a total of 42 yards. And then this week goes out six targets, gets five catches for 63 yards, both season highs and scores a touchdown. Yeah. So really good to see that from him. He's seen at least five targets in every game since week one. And this one was where he finally produced Needs to be more consistent moving forward, and that could be on even, you know, the Rams offense just in general kind of looking to him more, creating more for him. But, you know, Coop still, Cooper Cup is still going to lead that team in targets. But a really promising game from Allen Robinson that could really help open up Cooper Cup even more and, and maybe the attention or keeping the attention on Cup could open Allen Robinson more and use him a lot more. So good to see that. And then Ben Skoranek as well scoring a touchdown in that <laughs> game too on the, the little end around. So that was cool. Yeah, and Robinson has sort of a jump ball, fade-type touchdown. He also has kind of a jump 50-50 ball along the sidelines uh, earlier in the game for a big game. And, and and that's one of the things Matthew Stafford has to get some comfort with. It's like you got man coverage against this guy. Robinson is ex is wins excels at winning in those situations. If he looks covered, if that's not, you know, a Jalen Ramsey-level cornerback on him, you can throw that ball in there, and there's a good chance he's going to come get it. And I think they saw that J.C. Horn – of the Panthers, one of the few guys in the Panthers you're really worried about who might be getting traded as we speak, uh, was on Cooper Cup detail. So it's like, get the ball to uh, Robinson. But they need that. They need that consistency. And, yeah, if you get those two things combined, you can start to open up this Rams offense, which really, really needs it. Yeah, and Alan, and he's no no Calvin Johnson, but like back when he had Calvin Johnson, where you could throw it to him and yeah. he's going to win that game. Like, obviously, he's not Calvin, but a similar type of player that Stafford's had before that he could – you kind of get back into to doing that with Robinson. And it's funny you mentioned the one on the sideline he had. That's when they got reviewed. That was almost one of uh, chosen my winner of the week. It was on uh, some of the shows this morning as like a hidden highlight. But it was uh, during the review, Alan Robinson and Corey Littleton talking to the ref. And Robinson's pointing out like saying he caught it. And Corey Littleton's there mocking him being like doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that was one of the funniest things I saw. All weekend. <laughs> it was like a Mr. Bean sketch or something like that. I didn't, I didn't know what I was watching. It was very funny though. It was very funny. Folks, by the way, are still asking about the Robbie Anderson trade. And, you know, my thought on this is that the Cardinals should be selling pieces at this point at two and four, not bringing in more pieces, even though Marquise Brown is hurt. And one thing I have not seen is the compensation for this trade. And I was just trying to look it up here. And yeah. if this, if, if this is, you know, day three pick X, then it's like, well, I, I, it's fine for oh, both parties. Here it is. Look, as you said that, the tweet just came through from Adam Schefter now. Uh, Cardinals in exchange for a sixth-round pick in 24 and a seventh-round pick in 25. Oh, God. Well, then fine. Take him. There you go. <laughs> That's fine. It's fine. 
This shows you what Robbie Anderson's esteem is when he's getting kicked off the sidelines after the coach was fired, you know, where his, where his like real impact was. So yeah. some of those situations too, always kind of, kind of confuse me of uh, maybe not confuse me, but make me wonder with Robbie Anderson. It's like, all right, maybe they weren't planning on trading him right away, but you kick him out of the game. And at this point it's like, all right, he's probably never going to play again. You kind of yep. lose some trade leverage. Same with what's going yep. on with Cam Akers being scratched and him basically saying he's not going to play again, going to try and trade him. But it's like, if a team knows, if other teams know you're just going to cut him, yes. then, you know, you don't have to trade for him. Maybe there's compensation stuff. I'm not as as up to, to, to speed with, like, how that works of signing people, teams cut, that type of stuff. But it's like, you lose a little bit of leverage, especially with two weeks left, I think two weeks until the, the trade deadline. Yeah, you, you lose the leverage. And the Panthers probably felt like, you know, Wilkes and McAdoo have to get through this year. And they had probably looked at if this is how it's going to be, we've got to be- bench this guy. And once we bench this guy, then it's like get anything. And again, uh, you know, Steve Kahn didn't get ripped off by these. St- these are 2024 and 2025 draft picks. Basically, that lets him cut to the front of the line and get the guy uh, that he wants there. But the one difference with Akers is a speed wide receiver has that value no matter what. Because I, I can talk about Anderson's inconsistency or like, oh, you know, he's not necessarily always with the program. The dude can fly, and a dude can fly has a role in an NFL offense, even if you're sending him out there to run decoy routes. The running back, I don't know what Akers' value is is going will, will be moving forward. He is not McCaffrey. It's not like, oh, you can plug him in to be Tom Brady's safety valve. He's another kind of plugger and grinder out there. I don't know what the Rams think they're going to get for something. Yeah, like and he hasn't looked great either. You know, he came back from the Achilles injury in yeah. the, the playoffs and did not look good, hasn't really looked great this year. And then with this going on, um, I think they said football and something else, basically differences between philosophies or, or something. Oh, is kind of what it's come down to is what I saw this oh morning. I think, so. <laughs> you know, just, sends positive vibes yeah. to all players in the league who have different philo- running backs who have different philosophies with their coach. Maybe he'll push to bring him into Green Bay and have three running backs now. <laughs> Full house, pistol, diamond formation. Yep. Run those plays the Giants are running with them. Achieve success, reach the playoffs. Yeah, and, and speaking of the Giants, I want to go back there too. I would imagine we talked about this last week, uh, and talking about uh, you know we talked the Browns potentially being buyers. The Giants really helped the helped the Browns. You know that really all of the AFC North by beating the Ravens, keeping that division really close. And I think it's just solidified. It pretty much uh, is Brian Dable's coach of the year is Brian Dable's to lose. We talked about it last week. I think okay. he pretty much solidified his front runner status. I wouldn't be surprised if if he was a very, very heavy favorite at this point, because Arthur wondering. Smith, I think, could be up there. Um, Arthur Smith could be up there, but there's a, I mean, five and one is five and one. Yeah. And I'm going to look it up right now. And I, I thought you were veering towards, yeah. oh, well, you know, maybe the Giants should be buyers. And the fact is that they can't be buyers. They're in such bad shape um, mm. in terms of, the, of, of future cap space, et cetera, et cetera, that they have to sort of, no matter what happens this year, kind of use it to consolidate things. Yeah. So they, they can't be buyers, but of course they can hold what they have. Brian Dable is at plus 450 for Coach of the Year. Folks, I think there is still value there. I believe it was yeah. plus 600, plus 450. Nick Sirianni is at plus 150. Oh, Sirianni, that's right. I don't think he's going to get it. There's a couple of reasons for it. If you look at the history of the voting for Coach of the Year, it's usually a first-year coach. It is rarely a second-year coach who had a good year and then had a better year. That's not how it goes. It's like it's either first-year coach or it's like, oh, one of the uh, Jim Har- John Harbaugh's back. Oh, Belichick had another year. Let's give it to him. So yeah. it really looks like it would be Dayball's uh, uh, award to lose. 
at plus 450, I'd be jumping on that right now. Yeah. And, and we saw Matt LaFleur came in and uh, what went 13 and three the first two, three years. I don't think he won. I think he came in like second all three years. Right. Right. The, the, once, uh, like, if you don't get it that first year, then you're an established coach. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, well, this guy's going to do it every year. And LaFleur, of course, it's like, well, you've got Aaron Rodgers. That's right. what you're doing. You're, you, you've got Aaron Rodgers. Sirianni, there's a little bit of, oh, it's really Howie Roseman's team. That's kind of how it's perceived a lot around here and I think around around the league. And Sirianni, his personality doesn't bubble forth into the world. Yep. <laughs> like, he's he, he's he's a guy, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of see what he's doing. I usually call it bro energy, bra energy, because he's just like a back-slapping type of guy. But, like, you go around the league, like, everyone knows what Cliff Kingsbury looks like. They know his vibe. They know Sean McVay's vibe. They know some of these tough guy coaches. Sirianni's just the coach. So it's hard to like, oh, I'm going to vote for him. Wasn't it him that had, I forget what he was even for, the, the rock, paper, scissors yes. like, competition? I don't remember what it was for. I'm sure you do. It was, but. it was at the combine. And a couple of coaches do this. And a couple of GMs, they'll play rock, paper, scissors with the guys. Mm-hmm. And But like he talked about it and joked about it. And then people started asking the players about it. And I, I don't understand the psychology of some of the scouting combine st- stuff. It's like, <laughs> you have 15 minutes with this kid. I but, but you see, let's play rock, paper, scissors. The kid starts joking around a little bit. And you get a less programmed version of this young yeah. man who's been taught to come in like a coach and we'll give it 110%. That DWI from two years ago is behind me. They're going to say the same stuff to you. Yeah. Throw rock, paper, scissors at them and then say, well, why'd, why'd you pick rock there? Yeah. And then you, you see pick how- rock. You're, you're a tough guy. You're a good prospect. You pick scissors. You're a cutthroat guy. You're going to do whatever it takes. Paper is you're flexible. Yeah. flexible you know <laughs> right and you get all that kind of thing so yeah. yeah that that was that's that's a Sirianni type thing but that's that's it you know playing uh hoops I think mm-hmm. at one combine he played hoops with the guys okay yeah like had a little you know a little basket and like uh, yeah. a little foam ball and played hoops with them <laughs> and, and stuff like that like that's the mentality I don't know if that gets you coach of the year I mean it'll be different if the Eagles go 17 and 0 Absolutely. Yeah. At that point, I think he'd win it. But I think we can all agree Dable is the most likely. And yeah, good odd that at plus 450 is still, still some good value there for him. That about does it uh, here for us in a little bit early today. Uh, before we go, though, don't forget you can get that free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS, even in states where traditional prop betting is not available. They'll match your deposit up to $100. Again, promo code OUTSIDERS. You can get in on some of the Monday Night Football action tonight on there. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. For NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats, and articles, you get an ad-free experience. And then don't forget, you get access to all of the stats today on Monday versus having to wait till tomorrow like everyone who does not have FO Plus. And then last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game that will be on there tonight for the Monday night football game between the Broncos and the Chargers. Mike, thanks for joining me as always. Everyone out there, thanks for watching, and we will see you next week. We'll see you next week. Go Melvin Gordon, 15.5 yards. Let's get it done. And go Yankees. Go Phillies. <laughs>